Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, work and create, the Kumbameri people of the Yungumbay Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Hello and welcome to A Nourish Woman, the podcast. I am your host, Mika Ray. This is a conversational series created to guide women towards a more true, whole, fulfilling and joyful way of living. Together with some truly incredible guests, we embrace what connects us to our vitality and some of the ways that we can nourish our minds, bodies and soul. A Nourish Woman represents a return to wholeness and reclamation of our innate wisdom, our body's intelligence, our appetite for life and our capacity for joy, play and pleasure. It's about moving beyond mere survival and embodying a nourishing and generative mode of living that is aligned with our values, our energy, our desires, and honors the season of life we are in. Thank you for being here. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Nourished Woman, the podcast. This week, I am joined by Belle White. Belle is a health and nutrition coach living with her family here on the Gold Coast. Belle is focused on supporting mothers because she believes that when you support mothers, you are also supporting their children as well. Her mission, her biggest focus is on mama health because they are the pinnacle of the family and if they are thriving, everyone is thriving. The pillars of Belle's work are empowerment and education. We know there are so many confusing diets, nutrition outlines, a thousand supplements. However, she works with mums based on their individual blood work and creates customized, simple and effective plans. That way, her clients can make these changes for good and create a healthy household for the entire family. In our conversation, we discuss what conscious conception is. Belle's natural healing journey as a mother, why she believes nutrition is the core of health, how Belle honors being a mother and holding a business, modeling healthy behaviors for our children, the significant impact of stress, and the top supplement Belle recommends for mothers. Upon release of this podcast, I am thrilled to share that Belle announced she is pregnant with her second child recently. So, when we speak about conscious conception, that just feels even more special now. There is a lot of value in this conversation with Belle. I hope you enjoy. So I would love for you to talk about conscious conception and what that looks like, like your understanding of that, because I think that's a term that not a lot of women will have you know, heard before. Um, and what that means for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what it means for us, it, I think it's different for everyone. I think it's just being conscious of maybe bringing um, a, another soul into the world mm. and really, I guess, aligning yourselves with that mission and wanting mm. that and yep. being fully, fully emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually. So I think it means a lot. For me personally, I, I just wanted to kind of work a little bit on my health. So I'm just always looking to like upgrade and optimize it. Um, yep. So I do a little bit of like a preconception gut heal. And also now I'm doing just like 
a little bit of a heavy metal detox just going mm. into that because a lot yep. of people don't realise but we actually, as the mother, pass on all of our gut microbiome and gut health to our baby so it directly mm. comes um, so I think the more we can optimize that preconception and even yep. during pregnancy as well, but definitely a little bit during uh, that preconception conception period, we know yep. that we're going to be giving like the best health possible to our kids. And I'm really passionate about gut health because gut health is just, it's, it really has so much to do with overall health. Like mm-hmm. it's like 70% of our immune um, system is actually resides within the gut. Um, and you know, there's so many, like if our gut is working optimally, we're then uptaking nutrients a lot better. We're able mm-hmm. to like other functions within the body, like our thyroid connection is to the gut. Our, there's a brain to gut connection. So I think, um, yeah, it's a really big part of overall health. So I just did a little bit of fine tuning in that area and yeah. the same with hubby. Um, just to support hormones and obviously breastfeeding, I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't going into pregnancy depleted either because mm. breastfeeding and having a baby and being pregnant does tax our own stores. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit around that. And then I think it's just being really conscious of, um, you know, wanting to bring life into this world and really just, you know, being really conscious of that too. So mm. Yeah, and I think that's it's totally different for everyone. That's just obviously mm. something that I've um, done to prepare myself. I actually think that's, yeah, it's something, and it's funny because, you know, now knowing what I know and being a bit of a nutrition nerd myself and doing a lot of reading on this, um, you know, if I could have my time all over again when it comes to conceiving my babies, I would have done things very differently. Um, yeah. You know, with my firstborn, we struggled to conceive. We, you know, went down the IVF route. Um, so my body was pumped with all sorts of things, you know, and I just didn't have any conscious awareness of really taking care of myself and ended up quite sick in that pregnancy and he had to come early. And then with my other two pregnancies, I was very aware of, um, all of these things. I definitely had started on my health journey. And interestingly for us, and I feel like it's important to share here because it's so relevant to what you were saying, my husband, so our issue in the beginning had mostly to do with my husband. And um, they actually found like through, I don't know, some other kind of testing, but that he had lead in his system, which um, could have had something to do with his line of work, but um, you never really know. And so he saw a naturopath and went on this like big detox, like major detox. And then I think it was literally like two, one to two months later, I fell pregnant naturally with our second. Um, And then it happened again pretty quickly. So like, if that's not proof of how this can work, yeah, I don't know what is. Yeah. My husband and I also work on a preconception um, program. So we work with couples and um, Mm. are trying to get pregnant and people don't realize but 30% yep. of infertility is infertility issues is actually the male so we're not really looking mm. at the lifestyle of each parent and really looking at, like IVF definitely doesn't look at that at all so it's so good that you see you seek that no. part so that you could conceive naturally because yep. yes, unless there's unless there's structural damage happening down there um, in the uterus there's no reason mm. You can't get yeah. pregnant without IVF. You've just got to know where to look. Yeah. Yeah. And our lifestyle has it. Yeah, like totally. That. Mm. 
Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, for my husband too, like he was an athlete, he was a professional athlete at one point. So there's someone who's kind of always, and not a drinker or anything like that, but that just goes to show that sometimes it it's obviously looking at the lifestyle factors, but like you said, you're doing that, you know, heavy metal detox. Like we have to look beyond just that because, you know, there is someone who from the outside has always looked and seemed very healthy, but there was other things going on. So just proof that you need to kind of keep looking <laughs> keep looking and the thing is people think oh they're healthy they go to the gym and they look a certain way but really like actual yeah. external health is so different and being an athlete is stressful on the body you're you, you know you're putting your body on the line mm. and taking you know your skills to the maximum level and like athletic athlete athletic wise so it is going to be a stress and yeah. people don't realize like oh well, you know you're fit it's like no like that stress on the body that can then break down other systems within the body absolutely absolutely also partial to um lollies <laughs> i used to say that was definitely what it was <laughs> yeah. yeah it's totally different now you know and once you know what you know you can never go back you know so but yeah um so how long like i want to know how long have you been in this line of work like what's your journey been have you always been someone who's been interested in health yeah. i really want to know sort of what's brought you to where you are now yeah, so it all started actually when I met my husband. Um, so when we very first met, I um, had a lot of health issues that like I just thought were normal because so many people around me also had those mm. same sort of problems. So I would go to the doctors and they would be like, oh, here's the pill. Um, here's, you've got IBS, mm. do about it. You've got low iron, there's just take this this iron supplement. So I just really wasn't getting anywhere. But for me personally, I had like what you call leaky gut or intestinal permeability. I also had like a mm. parasite yep. um, and I was severely undernourished. Mm. So I just wasn't eating enough food, but also not enough of the right foods. So I'm from the outside mm. again. I loved the gym. I was really fit looking, quite lean, but honestly, I wasn't. My skin was a mess. My hormones weren't great. My periods were super short. So like they were coming, you know, every kind of 21 days, mm. that kind of thing. Um, so I had a lot of health issues. So yep. he, he was a personal trainer and also did a lot of like health coaching. He was kind of starting his career in like that kind of natural realm of things. So he tried to help me to an extent. Yep really didn't kind of get to like the root cause of what was going on. So then I recruited a um, health practitioner, mm. like all around gut health, because obviously I had so many digestive issues. Mm. I would be constipated, then I would have diarrhea. And yeah, I was just mm. chronically stressed. Like I was in a, uh, like a job that was quite um, uh, sort of like, yeah, stressful corporate kind of job. I was traveling a lot, drinking like mm -hmm. a million coffees through the day and then like coming home and feeling wired and stressed. Mm wine at night so just kind of like that kind of lifestyle which yep. isn't obviously healthy um but is so common so yep. you just think oh well that's normal like you know um and it so yeah mm -hmm. I, I recruited a man named Dave O'Brien who's amazing in the gut gut health field and he helped me resolve a lot of those issues and it was kind of leading up to when I wanted to get pregnant anyway so I went on a journey for six mm -hmm. months of this healing you know making sure all my food was organic getting like the best you know food possible mm. but then also address some of the issues that I was having so that kind of all resolved and I honestly like think and my husband went on the same journey as well and did healing 
And we literally got pregnant like the first month that we tried. Like the I reckon it was like the first go got pregnant. Amazing. And I honestly feel like that was because yeah. of all that work that we'd done. So I think that led me into like the passion yep. for health and taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And so I had Leo, I obviously went on a real natural journey with that as well, having a home birth, being um, mm-hmm. really conscious about yep. breastfeeding and what I needed to do to nourish myself postpartum. And then I was like looking at so many of my mm-hmm. friends around me and I was like, oh my gosh, like they're just struggling. Like they're so depleted. They, you know, they're, they're struggling to breastfeed because they're nutrient deficient. They've maybe had a bit of a traumatic birth because yep. they're maybe in the hospital and they haven't been aware of maybe what could happen there. Mm-hmm. And then, so they're just walking into motherhood, yep. like a shell of a human, if that makes sense. And a human. Yeah. Yeah. Just feeling not the, their best. And it wasn't till that kind of hit me. And I think, honestly, I say Leo showed me like my passion because I already had it there, but then he was just like, mm. work with mums. Like, I just feel like he definitely directed me in that, loca- in that, um, in that way. So mm. yeah, it was a bit of a journey. And then it got to him starting solids. Right. And it was like, he was six months age and I was like, yeah. get the research. And it was literally like, start your child on cereal breakfast cereal like rice cereal and I was mm-hmm. like I'm like yeah not nutrient dense and I actually went down um the route of um do you follow boob to food she's like amazing for um yeah 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 her book milk to she, meal yeah so yep. I think from there I was like oh my god like I need to I want to share this message with more people. I was telling all my friends, like, you need to buy this book, you know, stop stop the breakfast cereal, the rice cereal. You need to feed them whole food. Yep. So obviously everything I'd learned, I was like, oh, my God, this all ties in together. It really all just is like one, yep. one thing. And the biggest thing it comes back to is nutrition. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously why I'm just, I think it's the yeah. core of health is nutrition. Of course. Yeah. Mm. I really love that. I love too what you said. It just sparked something. Again, I hadn't intended on going in this direction, but you know when you said, you know, Leo kind of showed you the way. I think, I think before we have kids, or even part of this conscious conception chat as well. You know when you say like consciously choosing like that we're going to do the things we need to do to kind of get ready to have a baby, and that we we want to we want to have one. Yeah. And I think, and I notice this with some of my friends and and other women that I've kind of you know been in community with who uh, haven't had kids yet, yeah. and you know there's like this kind of fear around like identity loss and you know who they're going to be on the other side of it. And I just love what you shared there because I feel like it highlights how our kids and having kids, yes, you are changed, you are changed, but that it isn't necessarily anything to fear and that it can unlock for you like a whole new path that you didn't know existed, something even better than you thought, you know, or expected. So I just wanted to like bookmark that because I think it's, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's this society kind of thing and it's a little bit to do with that bounce back culture as well. It's not actually Mm, stepping into themselves and being like, okay, like I'm an upgraded version. I'm now going from maiden to mother. I think we've really lost that rite of passage Mm -hmm. modern society is. Mm-hmm. We've got like doctors taking control of our health with in our pregnancies. We're we're going to them for them to tell us our baby's okay. We're going to other people to tell us how to feed our babies. You know, we're we're getting 
all of this information. But really what we need to do is just center ourselves within us and start to really just start to check in with mm. our own. It's really lost. And then there's mm. this culture of like you have yeah. a baby, just go back to your old ways. And it's like, no, you're a changed person. Like there's no going back. There's only going forward. And I think the, the mums that really suffer with that haven't fully stepped into motherhood. They're like kind mm-hmm. of, you know, stay back to where they were, which yeah. grip listen, on. <laughs> you embrace it it's the best and the most life-changing thing and I think it starts with pregnancy absolutely I think it needs to start with preconception because you cannot know you're having a baby and it can be a complete surprise but a mum can be like okay I'm stepping yeah. into it but I definitely think it starts with pregnancy yes. and it starts taking kind of you need to start taking sort of rapid responsibility radical responsibility sorry for your own kind of health and life mm. so that then you do birth the baby mm-hmm. You're not sitting there waiting for someone to tell yep. you. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think this all comes back to, to the fact that, so a few things, obviously overload of information. Like we just, you know, it's so amazing how much information we can be privy to now, but it becomes very overwhelming very quickly. And like, you know, it's like the million different kind of pieces of advice that people will give you when really they're an expert on them their pregnancy, their baby, you know, like it's all from their experience what's worked. Um, so there's that overload of information. And I think like you touched on the societal expectations and a bit of our conditioning around feeling that we need to look outside ourselves yeah. for the information that we don't necessarily know. Um, yeah. And and if you have kind of lived that way up until that point, it's very easy to stay there. And then obviously being a new mum, it's a very vulnerable time, you know, very like vulnerable. super vulnerable time. And so, yeah, and you're kind of, you're tired, like you're so exhausted. Oh and God. so sometimes oh you do, oh, God, yeah. But I suppose, and this is the thing, and then so you're more likely also to be like, help, like teach me, tell me the ways that I can kind of, you know, just make this better. And just a constant, like there's the rites of passage and then there's the constant letting go, letting it be, you know what I mean? Like creating space for yourself and this also goes back to the food piece and the nutrition piece ensuring that your basic needs like when you can sleep you're sleeping as much as you can when you're eating you're eating those nutrient-dense foods so that your foundation is that like the benchmark is there um for you to be able to make decisions for yourself um yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. This is like key, but I just, I really wanted to yeah talk about that because yeah, I, I do believe. And even on the other side of that too, like going from, you know, kind of from the mother to, you know, the matriarch or the crone, like, I think even like, you know, obviously we're younger and we're in our motherhood season, but I do think a lot about like, you know, menopause and pre-menopause, like there is not enough information around that either. Um, you know, and I'm like, I'm 37, I've got some friends in their forties who are kind of starting to think about this stuff. You know, how do we, how do we get ourselves healthy as we approach this particular season about this new season of our life? So yeah. And the rites of passage piece is very important. Very big. And there's a lot of information now around like the first 40 days after having the baby and how important that time is for rest. Mm. And a lot of like the ancient cultures have a lot of um, kind of ritual around that, but our modern society just doesn't. They're like, oh, mm. yeah, just go 
straight back into it. But they say like there's a saying that's like yeah. the first 40 days for the first for the next 40 years. And I really think that kind of just speaks to the mm. fact how you are and you're treated in that first 40 days, how you nourish yourself, how you just slow down and let your body mm. kind of like this heal, but also you connect with your baby and let your baby kind of feel like it's, you know, starting to come into its own is crucial for then how we maybe see ourselves, set ourselves up for the future. So, yeah, I think it's such a big rite of passage. It's totally skipped over. And then mums are sitting there thinking like, oh, I've, I've, I've got postnatal depression. I've got postnatal anxiety. I'm so depleted. Mm. I'm kind of wondering why. And I'm just sitting back sort of seeing it and like reading between the lines. I'm like, there's just, there's so mm. many like. Uh, yeah and that's I think another thing why I'm so big in the birth space too and like I love you know obviously just empowerment around um, physiological birth because again it it does kind of start with that like that is the portal of you kind of literally walking into motherhood and that is getting like you're getting empowered a lot of the time with all of these interventions happening Mm. this fear as well I think that's Mm. the big thing just so much fear put on yeah that is the thing yeah lose that intuition and that connection with their baby absolutely at a time where it's probably the most important most interestingly you know I feel like yeah so yeah that's yeah that's very very key I mean look I went through the hospital system I kind of didn't have a choice with my first one in terms of that I was very sick um and so I had to have him via cesarean otherwise we were both not going to be okay yeah (laughs) um but I, you know, I, I had the same mid, I had the same, not midwife, obstetrician the whole time. And, you know, she gave me the options for a VBAC, you know, with my second. She was always very much about me making the decisions, giving me as much information as possible and empowering me to make decisions. But I am very aware that not everybody has that experience. So I acknowledge my privilege in that because, you know, I went, I know this isn't always the case even with private health, but we went down that route and I guess I was very lucky to have had her be that way because it's not always the case. Yeah, exactly. And it's not their fault either. That's how they're trained as well. So they're not really trained. In this is the thing, yeah. Trained in emergency birth. So mm. uh, I think that's the other thing you've mm. got to look at as well. It's not, and it's about us also mm. walking emergency, not empowered. So the, again, we put a lot of our pressures on them for, the, for them to make us have a healthy baby or for them to make sure the baby's okay. So, mm. and again, like I said, that responsibility of the mum through pregnancy, mm. and I think that yep. does, yeah, come back to that um, awareness and consciousness. Yep. And this yeah. is like something key too when I, when I speak about um, what a nourished woman means. For me, there is that radical responsibility piece. No matter what season of life you're in, you do have to take responsibility for where you're at maybe the part you've played in that and like yeah oh my god I could talk about this for days but like you know just understanding that you can't whether you are a mother or not like whether you're you know you're working full-time or you have a business or you know whatever you you must it is essential that you take care of yourself in order to be able to do all the things that you want to do it's just like you know and our our culture would have us believe that we are supposed to be doing everything for everybody else. And, you know, obviously as a mother, especially, you know, our kids are so important to us, but yeah. yeah so I'd love to actually know what you, you know, like cause I'm, I'm making an assumption, but I think you, you are very passionate about this as well. Like, 
How does it look for you in particular to take care of yourself being a mum and having a business? Like, yeah, yeah, what does that look like? Yeah, I think it's a constant balance and I don't think I'm perfect at it. However, I do think mm. there's going to be times where you do need to prioritise your health and yourself to then it, to benefit the rest mm. of the family. So I'm really passionate about obviously if the mother's thriving and she's looking after her health. Well, guess what? She's then going to be feeding her kids in that same way. Mm. She's setting that same example for her kids. She's also going to have healthy boundaries as well. So I think a lot of the time, like you said, mums are just mm. so wrapped up in doing the best for everyone and they neglect themselves. But what they don't realise in that, they actually end up their kids because what happens is they don't show up as the best version of themselves anymore. They're short with their kids. They get yeah. angry. They're feeding them out of a packet because they don't have yeah. time. But it honestly comes back to them. If yeah. they then be um, able to make that time for themselves. So for me personally, it just looks like having a few little non-negotiables. And obviously I'm really flexible with this. Like if my son hasn't slept and he's teething or he's sick or, you know, something else is going on with him, that will obviously yeah. get but I mean, on the day to day when things are going well, yeah. you know, I make sure I make time for us to get out for a walk every morning, you know, just as simple as that yeah. fresh air nature. Um, I make sure I ground myself every day. So obviously connecting my bare feet to the earth is such an underrated health um, mm-hmm. upgrade we can make. Um, it has so many benefits, not only yeah. for you, kids as well. Um, you know, I like to train in the gym or go to Pilates. So I have those like booked in. So I know that I've got those little pieces of time to myself. And I think that kind of just yep. ground makes me, or once I do those things, I obviously then am showing up for myself. I then feel like I can then show up for my kids. Cause mm-hmm. I think when we don't make time for ourselves, we don't make time for our kids either. So yeah, it's a, it's a real tricky mm-hmm. balance perfect at it but they're kind of my things that I do and obviously through that I you know make sure I eat a really healthy only diet and then that way I'm making those same foods for my son so I'm not making it harder on myself I think sometimes once you kind of know how to live that certain lifestyle it's really easy to then start to make your kids live in that way because obviously you're making food for them anyway so of course I try and simplify it as much yeah in that respect yeah Mm. And that's that monkey see, monkey do thing, you know, and also if you don't have any of those other options in the house, you're less likely to, you know, and I'm very much the same, except that I kind of, you know, we're not going to, we don't necessarily, if we're out, it's like, an, you know, absolutely, absolute no to like ice cream or whatever. Like I know at some point my children are going to go off when one day when they have their own money and probably eat all of the things that I like don't want them to eat. So I'm like, you know, we kind of just every now and again, there's a little, you know, we call them sometimes foods and, yeah. you know, we incorporate that as well because, yeah, I think if we get too restrictive, that can yeah. also, you know, have implications right. as well. I um, yeah, I love that. You made a really good point. Like you've only got control over your kids to a certain point until then maybe they're a bit older yeah. and they know what those foods are. But why are we introducing mm. like, toddlers and babies to these foods when they don't need those foods mm. so like you know for example leo is absolutely he knows like at the supermarket or whatever like you know where like you know if you go to the health food store there's like the banjo bears and stuff like he knows what they are now but yeah 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 baby he didn't know any of those foods so he didn't ask for them but obviously once we start to no. get into foods when yeah when they're a young age they're gonna obviously ask for them later so yeah. i just try 
do everything in my control now while he's young and then mark some yeah. myself. Like, you know, you go out, do your own thing, obviously be educated in your decisions on those foods and talking yeah. about like sometimes foods but we can't control everything it's going to get out of our control at some point no no that's it and I also do just want to acknowledge here that you know it and this is kind of something I learned through studying public health it's like we do have to understand that it's not always there's a lot that goes into someone's decision with what they eat you know and we have to acknowledge that our the food industry you know, the fact that those kinds of foods that aren't great for our health are cheaper, are more accessible, are in an in abundance, you know, if we step into a grocery store. Yeah, right in our faces, marketed like, you know. Um, so I've been trying to have conversations like that with my eldest as well because I'm like, yeah, that thing is brightly coloured and has bluey all over it, but, like, let's have a look at what's in it, you know, let's read it together. Like now that he can read and I'm like, see those numbers? We're not, we're avoiding those numbers. (laughs) You know, but I'm like, you know, we're having those conversations. Yeah, because I think it's important. I'm not never in a grocery store. There are times where it's essential, right? Or there's like a last minute dash or something like that. And thankfully there are, there are, I see an increase in more optimal choices in the supermarkets now few and far between, but it is getting a little bit better. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, we just have to acknowledge that for some people, unfortunately, and definitely in remote areas and things like that, where fresh foods and whole foods are a lot harder to access. Um, yeah, but that's like a whole nother conversation that I could go into when it comes to the food industry. But I just want to acknowledge that because I know sometimes it is, and especially at the moment in, you know, with the current economic climate, you know, with things like the the cost of things has just gotten outrageous. But interestingly, and I want to touch on this because I know you're a market goer as well. My market shop, like when I shop at the local organic market, has barely gone up. Yeah. Through the whole period of like inflation. So yeah, mm. I've been shopping at the market for a long time. And honestly, it doesn't really go up. Like my sort of budget for the market stays the same. It's more the outside things that go up. So the things that like you said in the supermarkets, totally health food stores, all of that's growing. But yeah, your fresh food, if you can get to a market, you don't even have to get organic. Even if you get spray free or use the dirty dozen and clean 15 list, that's a really good um, one as well. And just knowing what to to start. Yeah. Exactly. So you can do it cheap. You just got to kind of know where to shop and what and where to go. That's it. And actually, like you were saying before, once you've got it, like it's you just you form new habits, you form yeah. new rituals around this, and it just becomes part of your lifestyle. And like, at least for me and you as well, and a lot of people I know, it's like a non-negotiable. And, you know, I grow a few little bits and pieces um, of things that I know we eat a lot of. Yeah. Oh my God. I love, I love a veggie garden. I have like big food forest dreams. Um, One day, one day when we've got our big piece of land, I like just dream of having this epic food forest. Um, Um, Only because I find it so rewarding. Like there is nothing, like I grew a strawberry there's like three still on the bush. And like the other day I was like, that one looks ready to pick. I'm going to pick it. And it was delicious. It's <laughs> like, so like so I got one strawberry. Yeah. Oh my God. So much better. So much it's better. So and anyway, so and, and also, sorry, I was just going to say so good for yeah. kids to learn like where food comes from, because there's like this big disconnect. Exactly. 
school kids like like they don't know that like milk comes from a cow or you know veggies don't just come in a packet which is so scary to think yeah yeah and like I remember that series Jamie Oliver did in America and like these kids had no idea what some of these vegetables were so like that's key for me is that education piece and we can't expect kids to learn that at school um because they're just not necessarily teaching it and you know I have to say like getting taught no no you yeah because like the opposite of like pyramid teaching them i know (laughs) yeah agreed agreed (laughs) um but like also i remember you know my first like real job was a checkout chick you know in a supermarket and as part of that job we had to do like a fruit and veg test before every shift and they would have like 20 fruit and veggies in a box and you had to actually write them down and then they'd like mark because you know you've got to put the right things through the um through the scanner or whatever and I'm like so thankful that I had that experience I mean my mum's a big foodie she used to be a chef so there's that but also you know like that's key like teaching kids about these different foods and I know it's it's hard if you weren't necessarily taught that as well I think you know it is about if if you didn't grow up because you know I think in Australia too there's a lot of people I know that were like the meat and three veg kind of diet you yeah. know, which like isn't actually all that bad, but um, yeah, you know, not go-to. a lot of variety. Totally, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's my go-to when I can't be bothered. We meet into veg. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, like we spoke about the shop and the cost. Like there are ways that you can kind of hack this stuff as well and make things last. And I'm very yeah. passionate about this, like lowering your food waste, knowing how to store it properly giving everything a wash like yeah if you can't afford organic or it's not in your area or your means or whatever there are ways around it there are amazing veggie sprays and things that you can like simply do vinegar and a bit of bicarb to get those things prepped and spending spending time because I know you're big on like food prep as well I feel like you just kind of have to be um but you know spending a little bit of time to set yourself up and it really is like an hour maybe two um depending on what you're cooking to set yourself up for the week like is key so we've spoken about modeling healthy behaviors to our children which is amazing and I've noticed like from having followed you for a little while now I feel like you are someone who truly like embodies your values um and really lives in alignment with like what is most important to you so I wanted to bookmark that because I think I think yeah that is something that um we don't always see especially on social media (laughs) we kind of see the perfect example of all of this you know I think I'm very passionate about moving away from there's this sort of like motherhood thing happening on Instagram where you're basically complaining all the time and I see it so much like Mm. so much you're like I need a wine at night after my kids go to sleep oh Oh, yeah they drained me they did this it's like this a victim and I talk I call it the victim mentality and I see it a lot mm. on social media mm-hmm. and I'm just very aware of never ever showing that side because obviously I don't even that's not aligned to me at all but also like yeah, yeah like attract the, the more negative you are you attract that in life right so I've obviously I'm very conscious yeah. of being positive and being like that positive uplifting mm. um, inspiring motherhood and you know that could be triggering yeah. as well like, because people are like oh yeah you know like as if she you know she eats that well all the time like she probably still has maccas and stuff mm-hmm. and I'm like no I actually don't but 
It's um, <laughs> me, I'm like, these are my core values. And like, I'm not saying I'm perfect, mm. not, but I'm just constantly trying to be conscious of like, you know, and I, yeah, I did do a post the other day on my birthday, actually, just saying I'm living in alignment and it's been something that I've been working on. So it's not something that's happened mm. overnight. Yeah. There's, yeah. you know, a new challenge, like a new thing will come up with Leo and there's a new mm-hmm. lesson from it. But I think it's just me being really aware. Mm-hmm. Of like, an example is like, you know, sometimes I get wrapped up with my business and I'm like quite busy and I'm like thinking about that and I'm not really being that present for Leo. And I notice it straight away in his mm-hmm. behavior. Like, so he'll start to act up. He might have a bit of a tantrum or he's, you know, mm-hmm. things in my face. He's trying to get my attention. And this is what kids will do, right? They'll just try and do whatever mm. they need to do to get your attention. They don't care if it's bad or it's good because they just want your yeah. um, undivided attention. So, you know, for example, I'm just yeah. like, hey, hang on a minute. He's acting like this. This isn't on him. You know, this is on me. Like what am I doing? Yeah. Impacting yeah. that. That's yeah. hard sometimes because obviously, again, you have to take responsibility and you have to be like shining a mirror basically in your face of like how shit you are as a parent sometimes or a mom. But mm. at the same time, like mm. it's putting him first, which then again is like supporting the whole family. And again, then I'm like, okay, yeah, I need to slow down. What am I doing? My main purpose is Leo, like had him and I want him to have the best bringing possible. So it's like just slowing down and again, just coming back into myself so I can be present with him. And, you know, that might mean I'm like, okay, I need to do a little bit of meditation tomorrow morning because I'm feeling a little bit like I can't Mm. be with him or you know, whatever yeah. that might be. I'm getting frustrated that he wants to be on my boob all the time. But like, you know, what why yeah. is he on my boob all the time? Like just questioning yourself and just yeah. knowing like where you can be better. And I think that's what like me and my husband always try to do with our parenting and just be intuitive with it. Like obviously, you know, just mm-hmm. yeah, and just that living in alignment is just all around, you know, supporting how can I just be the best mum possible while then supporting my own needs and, you know, then obviously having my passion mm-hmm. of yeah. another so I feel like I, I'm I'm getting yeah. better, but it's a it's a tricky one. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and the thing is, like you, it will it will change. You know, like as like you said, as a new challenge or a new age or a new whatever comes up, like even within yourself, you know, you're gonna you're gonna like this is the one thing we know is that we consistently evolve. Yeah. And yeah, I suppose it's like it kind of comes back to the piece around, you know, stepping into um, motherhood as well, like just not gripping too tightly onto any particular outcome or any particular expectation, you know, and just being able to go with it. And that self-awareness piece, I spoke to somebody else about this for the podcast as well, is like just key. It's just key. And the only way you're going to be able to tap into your self-awareness and therefore your intuition and knowing kind of what is needed in the moment is space is spaciousness you know and obviously we've been in this kind of hustle culture rush culture you know um and it's it it is hard to untether from that you know and it doesn't always feel comfortable to say okay I actually need to slow down or to follow through because I think a lot of the time too we know exactly what we need but it's we'll tell ourselves a thousand reasons why it's not possible until we give ourselves new evidence you know tell ourselves these stories to sort of manipulate mm-hmm. the reality of the situation so that you don't have to face actually where you need to improve. And, you know, there's always going to be, yeah. no, oh, I needed to get the dinner done. I needed to do the washing. I, you know, I needed to do this and this. But ultimately, like, you, yeah, ultimately, like, that is just excuses, like you said, which, yeah. Yeah. 
confronting. Yeah. Are there, is there anything else that you would that you think kind of stands in the way of women kind of reclaiming that for themselves? Like, I feel like we've covered a lot of it, but do you think there's anything else? Um, I think motherhood is just really hard. So to me, mm. working and mothering, it's so much easier for me to just work. Honestly, like it's so much easier to. Oh open yeah. Well, my husband says the same thing. He's like, it literally is so much easier to like, you know, open your laptop and work and escape, you mm-hmm. know, maybe what's happening in um, family life than it is to just be mm-hmm. present as a mother. It takes so much. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it is. it can be super, super tricky and draining. So I think the other thing is just not yeah. underestimating the value of it, of what you're doing as a mom. Mm-hmm. I think we're just undervaluing. Yeah and thinking that we needed like you said before do it all and that's just not possible it's yeah. not possible and it's not helping anyone no. helping the kids and, you know, no. that's probably, yeah and like they need out they need their parents over everything over the money over like everything of course. So you can put them first which can be really scary because mm. again like you know yeah um, like i said working can be a lot easier it it um mm make a difference and just giving yourself that grace of like you know what like it's been you know it is it's hard right now or you know I'm I'm struggling and mm. you know, being open and having that support network around you I think the other thing is we probably have lost mm. that a little bit with parenting um and motherhood mm. especially yeah you know if you can have that yeah. and I think again that's why I'm, I think my Instagram I've got such a beautiful community of mums and I think they all just want like support and help and I think, yeah, if you mm. can find the right people that aren't sitting there complaining, they're like, okay, what can I do mm. to do better? They're your people and they're the people you want mm. to surround yourself with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I do I do love a parenthood meme um, because, <laughs> I mean, sometimes if you don't laugh, you'll cry. <laughs> so, you know? Um, so, like, I do appreciate that. But I, I really, yeah, I acknowledge you bringing that up because that's something I've thought about a lot is the kind of like, oh, mum needs a wine, you know. And I've even had to check myself when I've, because I'm not immune to that, you know. I mean, I do love a delicious glass of preservative-free natural wine. However, I, you know, for me, it's more about the enjoyment of that particular glass of wine as opposed to why I think I need it, you know. Um but yeah, I just, I love that you brought that up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the community piece is huge. And I think we all realize this, especially during COVID, because we really then were out of touch with being in person. Yeah. Um, and I think there's been a huge push and, you know, we've never been more connected in life with the fact that we can just pick up our phone and, you know, be speaking to somebody. Um and have this kind of community around us through social media and whatever. But we do, we need that. So we need that. And I think that's super relevant. Obviously there's been a big push to kind of build community around ourselves. Um, but I think we also do really need it that in person. And I think a lot of this, you know, cause like if I think about my own experience, it's, I have been someone who has always kind of self-insulated and and self-isolated because I'm like well I want to reach out I want to I want this village like where is the village when are they coming but the thing is am I willing to accept their help and also like I think I've looked out and gone oh my god like the village is also they're also tired (laughs) mums they don't have time to help but the thing is 
But the thing is, it's like you can like come to, and I've seen this, it's like a coming together, letting the kids go absolutely feral with each other, you know, like everybody's safe, we're in a contained environment kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and just being with each other and just having those conversations and letting the kids, like I think ours is the last generation where we were doing like the Friday afternoon cul-de-sac neighbours together, parents yeah. having a Barbie kind of vibe. And at least that was my experience. And that is something I've like really wanted for the kids and, and I've only really started kind of making contact with now. Um, But it's key. Like we do, we just, and our kids need it. This is the thing. Like we need it, but our kids really need it as well. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I was the same. I grew up in a country town and literally my only rule was like be home when the street lights come on. And we were just all out in the street playing, (laughs) riding our bikes on the road. Yeah. see that yeah so you're right it's like how do we create that um now for like not only ourselves but our kids because yeah I think that's huge as well Mm. and yeah and actually I remember you sharing I remember you sharing a post on kind of risky behavior like with Leo like letting him climb because you guys let him climb up on things and whatever um and I do love that because like it's funny I with my first um I was like helicopter mom to the max like and you know I think about my experience with even just him coming into this world like I I give myself a lot of grace for that time because obviously I wanted him so badly and it was like a bit of an ordeal I was like he's here now I'm gonna protect him as much Mm -hmm. as I can but I've eased off and I think this naturally comes with the more kids you have you know you see memes about this all the time but um Yeah. yeah I actually would love you to talk about this a little bit because I think it is something we, we, we have moved away from quite a lot, like being, you know, letting kids ride in the street and things like that um, yeah. within reason, depending on the street. But <laughs> Totally, totally. Not recommending it, <laughs> depending on your situation. No. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We, we are really big on letting him make mistakes because I think the only way they learn mm. is through mis- making mistakes. I think there's all different types mm. of learning. Yeah, but personally, like I'm a little bit more of like a kinesthetic learner. So I need to kind of do something to then be able to learn from it. And I'm just aware of that because I didn't do well in school. I was really like more of a creative. Mm -hmm. I just definitely wasn't, I'm not academic at all. Like literally the worst speller, worst with grammar, cannot do maths. But I was really creative, but I don't think that got, and like I was quite athletic, but I just don't, don't think that was really, I think school kind of, made me feel dumb basically and like made me and mm, I yeah um so I'm just really aware of that and obviously I think helicoptering just is kind of a bit of a crutch to their development because again like like I said if they're not mm, learning it is how are they kind of like learning and I'm not saying like I'm perfect at it either there's probably so many times I'm like helicoptering um but I'm really checking mm. myself Hang on a minute am I fearful here or is he fearful because looking at him Mm. he's confident he just wants to do it and I'm like and I just trying to evaluate the risk I think that's the biggest thing evaluate the risk yeah is he going to be fine if something did happen am I standing right there you know and if something did happen like he's not going to hurt himself he's probably going to cry though but I'm there to support him and be there for him so Mm. yeah actually being there but yeah I think that's a tricky one I see it so much but I think that's mm, an empowerment. Yeah. You said you didn't have the most empowering experience with maybe your birth and going yeah. into motherhood and, you know, yeah. so like you said, you can recognise that and be like, okay, like that was a bit of an issue. So now I'm kind of overcompensating yeah. for it. Just the awareness of that is amazing. Exactly. You 
It's key. Yeah, exactly. And I think like I do want to, I want to touch on this because I think it's relevant as well. Like for boys, especially I saw something the other day, like boy, boys need, and I'm not saying girls don't because I think they do as well to an extent, but boys especially need to like move their bodies, hang on things, climb on things, jump off things, you know, like I think it's kind of natural for them. Yeah, exactly. But oh my God, wrestling, wrestling in my house. So my husband is 40 years old and still wrestles with his dad. Um, and you know, he was still, still wrestling with his brothers at one point, like, oh my God. Yeah. And so my boys and even my daughter, this is the thing when the boys start wrestling with their dad, she's in there. Like she's she's riding. Oh my God. She yeah. loves it. And, you know, people are always saying to me like, oh, she's so lucky to have two big brothers to look after. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, that girl's going to be able to handle her own. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. But, you know, yeah, so the wrestling, all of that stuff, like, you know, and, yeah, just I think when I think about boy, boys especially, little boys and some little girls too, like sitting still all day, you know, and like, look, my, my eldest son goes to mainstream school. Um, my other kids will as well. That's a choice we've made, but we also take responsibility for how much we want to educate them within the home. What's, you know, life skills, things are important to us. It's like, we want them to have that experience. Um, but at the same time, we're not letting the school, you know, letting that be responsible for raising the kids. It's like, we're teaching them lots of other things, how to critically think, you know? Um, and I know that after school, like my boys need to, well, my eldest who's been at, you know, school all day needs to move his body. So like, that's a non-negotiable for us in the afternoons. It's like, we're at the footy fields where, you know, we're on the bikes, we're like doing things or, you know, other after school activities where it's like, he gets that energy out. Um, and the, the change I've noticed in his behavior as well, since making that more of a priority, um, has been like exponential. That's one thing I'm really big on when I'm working with mums and working particularly with children. I'm just big on like Mm. this connect from like nature as well and getting out. There's so much, so much sitting down inside on a screen happening. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. a real big one when it comes to like not only mental health, but just physical health as well. And like you said, like those hormones mm. that are having and like that need for like rough play is totally not happening because they're just getting yep. stimulated and um like totally like basically addicted to these screens. And I think that's a that's probably a whole nother conversation. Yes, it is. Part like, part two. We'll have to do part two. Part two. <laughs> from nature and too much technology I think is a detriment to them 100% yeah but even our own even our own and like you know you're somebody who's probably at their computer a little bit for your line of work and I definitely am and so you know knowing that it's like I drop the kids off if I'm coming home to work the first 15 minutes for me my face is out in the sun I've got my feet on the ground you know, like I'm not a, a strict meditator. I do it when I feel called to it. And I think this yeah. is one of the things that I hope to kind of empower women um, through this podcast and and also when I'm working with them is to build that toolkit of resources, you know, that yes. we touched on, like the things that are kind of non-negotiables for you and priorities for you. And it's like it's not going to look the same for everyone. But for me, it's like I do those things so that I can then show up for my clients throughout the day. I know I'm going to be staring at a screen I periodically get up, I go outside, I move my body, I might work out in the middle of the day um, yep. just to kind of shift that energy. Um, you know, 
I'm like the biggest fan of a bushwalk and a cold plunge, like love it to wake me up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, there's all these things. And like, we like, you know, going back to the overwhelm, there's so many different things you can do, but yeah. it's like, just try one thing, you know, just yeah. try one thing and, one, and hopefully it becomes a bit like, of a habit. Yeah. One thing I think mums can just easily do is just get out for a walk first thing in the morning. Like before having that absolutely, or you know, doing anything like that, so they can, like you said, just mm. get the fresh air, but also the sun on the eyes to balance that. Yeah, yeah, that is just like one thing, yeah. and like everyone has time for that. Like, um, if you, yeah, if you don't have time for that, absolutely, then, like, yeah, stop. yeah, then something else has to shift, and this is the yeah. thing, you know, like. There's no, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And so, you know, it's like we do, we do, if we are going to make these decisions, other things in your life will have to shift. And I, I guarantee that when you start implementing some of these things, you'll know the things that can shift, you know, it will become very apparent to you. Um, You touched on boys. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. No, you touched on, um, on boys hormones and I did just want to, cause I think it's a key piece that we should speak about um, before we kind of get to the end of our chat is obviously hormonal health and just how important it is. And I, what I'm loving is I am seeing a lot more conversations around this for women, just acknowledging what optimal hormonal health is. Um, yes. So I'd love to chat to you about this because I, I'm certain that you kind of go through this work with your clients. Like yeah. what does optimal hormonal health look like and how can we you know, for those listening at home who, you know, just want to kind of do something to to help with this, like they're having a struggle with, say, like you said, a short period or a long period or really heavy period or like mood swings, like, you know, and I have to say, because I think it's important to share on the perfection piece as well, like I'm someone who definitely prioritizes my health. And yeah. in the last month I've been, there's been some stressful things going on, bit of change. Um, you know, I lost my beautiful nanny and I definitely kind of fell out of my usual everyday rituals. And, yeah. um, and oh my God, my last period, like the lead up, the, the PMS I was experiencing was off the chain. Yeah. And I was like, just in a month of like, just not quite yes. prioritizing my protein and things like that. So let's chat yeah. about it because it's important. Let's chat about it. And I think the first thing that you said, like the, probably the biggest one I see, like, oh, there's a few big ones, but a big one is stress. So obviously stress affects mm, so yeah. many systems within the body, um, but especially the mm-hmm. gland. And so then what happens is that is the gland that's responsible for releasing follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. So these are the hormones mm. obviously for our menstrual cycle. And then they obviously um, yep. go to the ovaries and then our ovaries then release mm-hmm. um, estrogen and progesterone. So they obviously get dysregulated with the stress. So then we're not either producing too much or mm-hmm. we're not enough. So then we get this really bad imbalance and then that yeah. obviously can show up as like painful periods, really bad PMS, obviously, mm things that kind of thing Mm. so I think stress is probably one of the biggest ones um and having those stress management Mm -hmm. tools in place like we've spoken about can help us but you know in that situation with your nan um obviously like that is like acute stress that like you know you could do all the meditation in the world Mm. you could be doing everything right but like you're going through Mm. like a stressful hard time so I think just giving you that grace but I think it's a good example of how like that can show up in you know our hormone imbalances mm. the other one is under eating and i don't mean just mm. under eating. 
I mean undernourishment. So what that means too is like mm. eating the wrong foods that don't have the macro and micronutrients mm. you need to then basically have the building blocks for the um for the hormones. Obviously, you want to be eating enough calories yeah. as well. So that's a big one. Obviously, we need the calories mm. and the minerals and the nutrients to then make sure all of our vital organs are working properly. But what I see a lot of the time with yeah. undernourishment and under eating is um, the first things to suffer is our sex hormones. So if you think about it, the sex hormones mm. are really what we need to stay alive. They're kind of like a, a byproduct of like, you know, obviously fertility and, you know, making sure we can have a healthy baby. Yep. But the first thing that's going to shut off is obviously um, your ability to be fertile yep. because the body needs so much energy to then like support that, that it's not going to prioritize that as like the main mm. kind of area that your body needs so a lot of the time under eating yep. also like nutrient deficiencies are a big one um mm. the gut yeah you know, i'm like so big about the gut but the gut microbiome has a huge role in um different microbes so there's different microbes that are in um the gut so the estrobolum they're called and the estrobolum basically mm -hmm. we're getting too technical here i'll kind of keep it simple but releases an enzyme called yep. beta and that's basically wrong. Mm -hmm. It's wrong is to metabolize estrogen. So if we've got an overgrowth mm. of these things, which so many people have things like SIBO, you know, um, dysbiotic yep. gut situations, like we've spoken about, it is important that, you know, we look at this as well, because then what happens is because mm. of overgrowth, we're getting high amounts of estrogen in the body and we can get what we call estrogen dominance, mm. which is what I see a lot with mums mm. too. Is it's kind of like that excess uh, body fat they can't get rid of, you know, um, a lot of fat on the back of the arms, yep. the legs are really good, but yep. pain periods, irritability, mood swings, mental health issues. So mm. I even yep. think like there, there is obviously a link to the things like endometriosis. So the gut obviously is mm. a big one, but then we need the gut also to be working well so that, you know, we've got enough um, things like stomach acid so that when we do eat proteins and the right foods, we actually break down those and we can effectively absorb them. So a lot of the time people don't realize, mm. like, well, but, you know, I eat a high-protein diet, but, like, yeah. their body is actually not absorbing the nutrients either. So there's mm. kind of a balance we need to See, do. See, this, this is... This is key because, you know, this just kind of makes me think about some people who I've had conversations with about, oh, I just, you know, who might be vegetarian or who, you know, might not just not eat very much meat because they just don't digest it. They, they you know, I yes. oh, just don't digest it as well. So, oh, my God, this that explains so they much. Feel, they, eat, they eat meat and they feel like it's sitting in their gut, like it's just not doing anything and they feel terrible. So they will yeah. Pescatarian outline that was definitely me I was 100% that um mm. yeah they don't realize that it's because things aren't functioning well within the gut and then they're not getting the mm. so yeah it's a bit of a kind yeah. of a gate effect of like addressing a few different things it's all well and good to just say eat more meat but like you might need some support and some gut healing to then be yeah. able yeah and this is the thing. And this is the thing too where it's like worthwhile coming and seeing someone like you because yeah. there is just some testing you kind of need to do and there's some, like we said, you've got to kind of have to keep looking and there's only so much you can see on a blood test that a GP gets you to do and you do have to look at your microbiome. And I'm really yeah. glad that you touched on the mental health issues as well because I've read like mind-gut connection and um, yes. I think it's food, mood, 
And it's like, it just makes so much sense, like so much sense, you know, and I've seen it within myself and experienced it as well. And yeah, so it's huge, absolutely huge. I'm really glad that you made all those points. So a big one I see too with mums is like that kind of brain fog and like just kind of mental, like they're mm. just not mental clarity. I see it so much. And again, mm-hmm. like gut, we can a lot of the time have um, a lot of toxins going into the bloodstream, causing a lot of inflammation. Yeah. And if you've got leaky gut, a lot of the time we've got leaky brain as well because it's basically the same kind of structure that is um, created in the gut, like the, mm. the cells is really similar in the blood brain barrier. Yep. So then you high amount of oxidative stress that's actually going into the um crossing over the blood brain barrier so we can see things like brain mm. fog oh it's just mum brain but like there's more going on with the system um, more to it mm. super and then again yeah. any depression i actually i actually yeah yeah and that's that comes back to the postnatal or just any kind of time that you experience depression as well yeah, yeah. and this is the thing like and i always consciously think like when someone you know, and obviously everyone's experience and the things they've gone through in their life, like there's a lot that goes into it. But I do often think when someone says, oh, I'm experiencing this or even the um, PMDD, you know, the pre-menstrual depressive disorder that's sort of speaking a lot about now, I'm kind of like, it made me think, you know, about my experience and it's like, what is going on there? Like, what is underneath this? What are you eating? What's, you know, what's, yeah, what's your lifestyle? Like all those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, Constantly. contraceptive pill is like really bad because people think mm. oh it's my hormones well no it's actually suppressing your hormones and it's actually then putting you into like mm. a state so you're not actually your body's then not yeah. creating the hormones it needs and then you come off the pill and for example like um the pill is very progesterone based so your body then you come off mm. it it's like oh i've just been given progesterone from this pill for so long your body literally then has to like try and make it and it can't because it hasn't done it for yeah. so long so then progesterone yeah. is like a calming hormone and then what happens is mm. if we've got progesterone we've got higher estrogen then we can have like issues there so there's so much to do with our lifestyle and obviously we've been told these certain yeah. things serving women so yeah yeah it's a big conversation so short of I think, yeah, I think it would be remiss of me not to ask this, but obviously short of coming and seeing someone like you, um, how can women, like what are some really key things that they could look at introducing into their diet or, you know, or even cutting out that can kind of help, you know, that they could maybe experiment with for their hormonal health? Yeah, love that. I think the big a big one for hormones is um, obviously uh, hormone disruptors. So being really mm-hmm. aware of things like phylates, which are in like fragrances, they're obviously in like um, in like mm. as well. They can all be really yep. hormone disrupting. So I like to look at hormone disruptors like that. So, you know, like I said, mm. plastic, like personal care products, going as natural and low tox with like your cleaning products as possible. That's a really good start. Yep. Then from there is just mm. looking at like removing kind of all the inflammatory foods from the diet. So I, I like to sort of stay mm-hmm. away from poor quality gluten. Uh, your like your mm-hmm. kind of refined seed oils are really um, toxic in the body, cause a lot of oxidative yep. stress. So and then like kind of just going like really simple with food and like just saying, all right, I'm just going to move away from packaged food and just going to whole foods mm. makes a difference. Ensuring you've got a lot of um, beautiful. Yeah. Micro- that within the diet so things like butter ghee cooking with like olive oil that all is going to help your hormones because we need cholesterol for hormones 
So that's a really mm-hmm. simple. Um, and then, yeah, obviously that just in itself, those lifestyle changes can make a huge difference on um, someone's health. And then if they want to maybe add in a supplement, yep. I really like for all mums to be on like a liver supplement if they can't eat it. So liver's just yep. so beautiful. Yep. It's got all the B vitamins. It's like kind of like what I would use as like a multivitamin. Um, so a liver supplement yep. and then even sometimes like a magnesium just to support like stress um, in the body and just make sure mm. that you your um it just improves energy production mood sleep quality your nervous system as well so they're just a few things you could definitely do yeah yeah I love that because I think sometimes we can think we have to take a gazillion different you know supplements and look if you're getting as much as you possibly can in your diet anyway but I know for a fact that magnesium is something we are quite deficient in because we just don't have enough of it in our soils anymore and then if you're not eating those kinds of foods that are grown in those soils, like you know you're definitely not getting enough but there are um because this is the other thing like we say that and then maybe someone will just go out and buy a magnesium supplement from the supermarket or you know somewhere like that but there are certain kinds of magnesium that are better absorbed aren't there they they are and like my kind of top ones yeah. like top forms for mums would be like magnesium glycinate so it's probably the most bio yeah. available so it's going to be really highly available yeah yep yeah, so that's a good one yeah. or maybe the mum is having a lot of stress and is finding like maybe mm. a lot of mental chatter issues a lot of like just maybe not calm at night especially magnesium three and eight mm. is really for that so they're like two of the magnesium okay I would say. and they're not just going to the pharmacy unfortunately you know your your mm. big brand they're like blackmores and stuff like they're such low quality so you know maybe reaching out to someone yeah. like myself you know my instagram i recommend so many different supplements have a little look through i've got a few you different do so yeah you do yeah 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 absolutely and you know but the liver is like huge and I realize that as well I've done both I've like purchased liver supplements and I've made them myself which like was definitely worthwhile money-wise but a little bit of a stinky job (laughs) (laughs) but um and you know with my kids like I am the queen and I want to acknowledge this because like I you know my eldest in particular a bit fussy with some things um and but like honestly if he had any idea what was in most of the food he ate (laughs) I'm the queen at like you know packing as much as I can in you know to all of the things I'm Um, always liking and yeah and putting things in smoothies so yeah I think it's a really good way to do it yeah oh my god spiking spiking everything (laughs) um thank you so much for all of this I think this has just been so informative like for me as well and just yeah, I love that you kind of dropped a few little truth bombs and, you know, things for us to think about because I think that's that's key. And, like, yes, it can be a bit triggering, but we always want to acknowledge, like, why? Why yeah, is that triggering for me? What, what is coming up for me? Yeah, it's a good thing because it makes you think. Exactly. And, like, oh my God, and you, in the moment, don't want to hear it, but you might ponder on it and think about it. And, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. never be like, oh, my God, that's like a no just because it triggered. I think that's really important not to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So just don't put so much pressure on yourself to do it all and just baby steps. That's the biggest thing. As long as you're just. Yeah. And that's, and you touched on this earlier, you touched on this earlier too, when you said about simplicity, like I actually think, and I'm, this is a big thing for me at the moment, experimenting with this in a really quite significant way, but simplicity being like the ultimate form of nourishment, because when you 
simplify things for yourself and create that space for yourself however you can. And like we said, it kind of takes a little bit of sacrifice or mixing things up. Um, oh, it just, it opens the door to so many of these things that we've been talking about. So it does. Just key. It definitely does. It's key. Mm. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Just keep yeah. it simple and don't be a perfectionist. You don't have to do, I, this is something I'm like big on at the moment, like just trying not to, putting it out yeah. there even not perfect so you know even if like you know you don't have everything together I don't know in some aspect of yourself it still mm-hmm. makes, it feels like you can make some changes so it might just be cutting out the seed oil that's just, it or one little thing it all yeah. adds up yeah that's it absolutely um I have a really kind of just fun question to finish on at the end that I've been yeah. asking everybody and that is if you could eat one meal for the rest of your life what would it be oh that is so hard Mika oh my gosh <laughs> so hard I know would it be I found it to be like quite telling about the person too like it's been yes. really interesting people's answers lots yeah. of nostalgic meals you know lots of things that have meaning Yes. Yeah. I probably want to say from my nutrient dense point of view, slow cooked meats. Yeah. I, I love mm, salt yeah. well, but they're just so good because they're pre-digested. So you're then ingesting them and yeah. they're going to do all of the healing for you. They're obviously high in collagen, which yeah. is the building block that we need to support connective tissue, which is obviously our gut lining, but that's our skin. So yes. like our skin health, um, yeah. like, you know, connective tissue within our muscles, our ligaments. So our organs. So it's literally for every building block within. So that would probably be like mm. what I want to say. But on my just like yep. what I love to eat is just like baked potatoes, like chips in the oven. I love chips. Oh my, so my God. So yeah. I make healthy ones at home yeah. and I'm putting in like duck fat or ghee and like they're just amazing. So yeah, yes. so together. So, <laughs> so some chips, like how good that? Delicious. I love that so much. Yum. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who doesn't love I mean, you know what though? My middle my son, my middle child, um, he doesn't like potato. I don't know. I don't know why, but Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Nice. I mean you think it's like one of the things that you feel like everybody loves, but he doesn't. And anyway, that's okay. That's okay. He also he he's like, yeah, he has really interesting tastes. Like he likes like he'll sit there and eat a laksa, you know, like yeah, so oh, I just good. think he's maybe all about the flavor mm. as opposed to, you know, as opposed to that. I'm like, these ones are really crunchy and delicious. And he's like, nah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much. And I'm going to share, obviously, where everyone can find you in the notes. Um, but I just really appreciate you giving up your time and sharing all of your amazing wisdom with us. So thank no you. No worries. And if, if there's any mums out there that want to get in touch with me, Instagram's a really good place to do it. So it's just Bell White Nutrition. Yeah. Website, but I'm always open. Just send me a DM. I'm try, I try to respond to everyone and get back to everyone's questions. So I'm all about like building that. Community. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's really Thank important. So Thank, Thank you, you so much. Beautiful combo. As always, thank you so much for listening. If something in this conversation with Belle resonated with you, then please check out her work by visiting one of the links in the show notes. Just this year, Belle released a fantastic offering called the Mama Health Club, which is a community for mamas or mamas-to-be who want to start living the healthiest life possible for their little ones and for themselves.
If you have a friend or family member who you think would benefit from listening to this episode or any of the others from this season so far, please share it with them. Remember, you can always hit follow and give the podcast a review on Spotify or Apple. It would mean so much to me. Thank you and take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Nourish Woman. I hope something in this conversation resonated with you. And if so, please share it with a friend. You can hit follow or write a review or simply share on social media. It would be amazing. Thank you so much again for listening. Until next time, take care of yourself.